Okay, uh, so this fall uh, at our church in New Mexico, uh, I had the privilege of teaching one of the adult Sunday school classes on a subject that I'm very passionate about personally. Um, I've taught on this, I've written on this in the past, and that is the hospitality of God. Um, over the course of six weeks, uh, we discussed why hospitality is so hard for us today in the social media age, uh, in an age where selfishness and consumerism are pretty much legislated from the top down. We looked at what hospitality is as an attribute of God, first and foremost, from Genesis to Revelation, what God's own love for the stranger looks like in the life of Adam, in the life of Israel, in the, in the life and ministry of Jesus. And then we looked at how we can then take own God, God's own vision of hospitality and participate in that mission to the stranger in our own times and places. It was a terrific class, a lot of good feedback, a lot of good discussion. Really helpful to me uh, personally as I continue to think through these things. So this morning I was hoping uh, to just dip into some of this, uh, specifically exploring what hospitality is and why it's so hard for us. Uh, this morning, I want us to look at the lost world of hospitality, and I'm hoping this will be not just a, uh, a monologue, but, but a helpful dialogue as well. I will be asking for feedback several times. So uh, before we begin, though, let's pray. Lord, we um, are overjoyed of your love uh, for the stranger. Uh, we uh, are so grateful that we can be the recipients, the beneficiaries of such great generosity. Lord, not, again, because of any merit uh, or any value in and of ourselves. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you for those things. And we pray, O oh Lord, as we, as we come together this morning to discuss, uh, as we think through uh, your mission and, and why this is so hard for us to implement, why hospitality um, is, is so difficult in the day and age in which we live. Lord, we pray that you, that you would uh, enlighten our thinking, uh, that we would have a fruitful dialogue, um, and uh, Lord, that, that you ultimately uh, would be richly uh, glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when we think of hospitality just as a concept, we tend to have a very limited and narrow grasp of what hospitality is. Uh, we tend to think of hospitality as merely what? Food. So, uh, eating with other people. Entertaining. Opening our home to others. Mm -hmm. our home to others. Any other thoughts? Kindness. Kindness. Okay. Just generally. Charity, having someone over for dinner or a cup of coffee. Um, hospitality is, is, I think, most often, as I think it was said over here, entertaining guests. In fact, hospitality, in some ways, has become equivalent to the idea of entertainment. It's a time to have people over, simil, si people over who are similar to you, over to the house, people who are of a similar age or interests, and to have an elaborate meal, an elaborate experience, and its goal is to impress or to entertain. And yet, 
as we look to the scriptures, true Christian hospitality is uh, very different from this. It has an entirely different character and goal. It's an entirely different thing altogether. And this is because um, the manner of our hospitality is rooted in God. God is the constitutor of what hospitality is. The truth is you can really look at the entire Bible through the lens of hospitality. Our God is a hospitable God. And there's a lot of um, resources, especially as of late, that have teased this out in many different ways. A lot of good books and articles out there. Uh, From the trees of the garden to the trees of the new creation, what we see is a God who loves to give of himself. A God who is not cheap or prudish, but who always keeps the fridge full. A God who always, um, and you know who I'm quoting here, Mike Corden, who always under-promises and over-delivers. All of human history could be understood through the lens of God's hospitality. God being hospitable is something that he is, not just something that he does once in a while on Friday nights. It permeates his nature. Now, this means something for us as we begin to think about what hospitality is. It means that we can't um, define what hospitality is. We are not the arbiters of its meaning. No, if God made it, it's similar to marriage. If God made it, it is to him that we must look for how to understand and exercise it today. God and his actions inform and and drive our hospitality as Christians here today in the real world. Now, even in the church, we tend to gravitate toward those who are like us, right? Those who um, have a similar age, a similar family status, uh, married or or single, um, those who share a similar income bracket, those who have similar interests, who um, vote like us, um, all of that, political affiliations. And there's really nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with sharing friendships with people who share our demographics. Uh, We're all tribal to some degree. And yet I think we should be careful about calling this hospitality. And again, this gets back to uh, the reading of the law earlier today in, in Luke chapter 6. Uh, after all, the, even the Greek word for hospitality is the word philoxenia, a word which is actually composed of two words, um, love and stranger. Love for the stranger. Um, In other words, it doesn't mean friend kindness, but stranger kindness. Hospitality is showing love to those unlike you, those who are different from you, those who are outsiders, not those who are in the in-group or those in your clique. 
And again, this is reflected, again, in the kind of hospitality that God himself expresses from beginning to end in the Bible. The whole gospel could be summarized as God's love for strangers. So up front, just to summarize so far, I I want to try to um, help us dispel the idea that we can somehow define hospitality ourselves. Now, God alone is permitted to define it. And what we find when we go to God, when we go to his word, is that hospitality is very different from how we tend to define it. It is a love not that is easy to dispense, easy to control, easy to manage, but is very hard, it's risky, it's messy, it's a sacrificial, self-involving love for the stranger. And it encompasses not just something that we do once in a while, but it defines and encapsulates the very culture and climate of our lives, of our homes, of our churches. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Now, truth be told, there are many barriers to this kind of hospitality today. This really gets into the meat of what I wanted to talk about. Uh, What are some of those barriers to hospitality today? We could probably fill up the whole board with these. Fear? Fear, time, money. Distractions. Okay, um, so fear, um, fear of rejection. Hatred, yeah, hatred. Um, okay, so, um, so uh, technology. What will others think? What will yeah, others think? Uh huh. I'm fearful of what others will think, so I might not. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, uh, reputation. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Okay, lack of oppor- opportunity. Okay. Another form of fear entanglement. So if somebody has a situation, you don't want to get involved. Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we don't want to embrace the messiness. We like to keep our hands clean. Yeah. Yeah, we like everything just so. <laughs> Anything else? Commitment. Okay, commitment. If you do hospitality, you may have to commit for a time if they're, they're sick or ill. And 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, once I get my foot in the door, what am I getting myself into here? Right. That's a great one. Vulnerability. Could you flush that out? What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Yeah, being exposed, which is, I think for some, the most fearful thing imaginable is actually being exposed. Yep. Okay, laziness. You're being very vulnerable right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Laziness. Is there something else whispered over here? Okay, well, that's a good list so far. Um, so, we live, there's a few more I could add. We live in a culture of hatred, lack of opportunity, laziness. Um, individuality, like all things to be catered to the self, a uh, culture of, of uh, self-esteem and, and um, busyness. Um, and in this culture, is busyness up there? I don't think it is. Oh, time. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And in this culture, a culture that projects these ideals, uh, Christian hospitality is often very hard to exhibit. Um, in many ways, I would say, because of the reign of social media. Uh, now, what do I mean by that? How has social media perhaps done a disservice to Christian hospitality? Let's think critically of our of our uh, media here. Yeah, that, and that, that is the extent of our interact, interaction. Uh, if, if we post something, um, no matter what it is, that's, that's kind of how far it goes. And then also virtues take away. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I love that term. Yeah, virtue signaling. Yeah, it removes the personal interactions. Mm-hmm. Right behind the, the mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've literally taken the 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 body out of uh, interaction. We're we're disembodied. We're de-incarnate in how we relate to one another. 
Yeah, you can have a gajillion friends, but really nobody to cry with. Yeah, nobody to actually really connect with in a way that we need. Yeah, well, social media can often have that effect, I think, as well, in, in that, um, you know, we tend to see um, the nicer side of everybody on social media. We see, uh, you know, when they go out hiking or we see them eat nice meals, but we don't see pictures of people fighting with their spouses or changing a diaper, which is sort of what life is made up of often, uh, real-life stuff. Anyone else? And this is different even than it was 10 years ago. I think, I think we would acknowledge that. Uh, most relationships have become more or less electronic. They're on social media. They're impersonal. Our sense of community is, is digital. It's become very de-incarnate. We live in a digital deluge, someone has called it. Um, let's talk about uh, control. Um, what does social media have to do with the idea of control? Okay. Mm -hmm. We can design our entire persona. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can. Well, you go into settings and then <laughs> deactivate. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah. 
Um, what, about, what, what about control when it comes to our friends? We can just eliminate them. Yeah. Yeah, we, we control our relationships with the tap of a finger. If we don't like something or somebody, we just tap the screen and the problem goes away. So in other words, all the relationships are all free of risk. And they're free of messiness. And we project ourselves this way too. Most of us uh, keep ourselves pretty guarded. Just as we don't let others in, we don't like to let ourselves out. We, we tend to project more or less, I think this is usually unintentional, just the, the, the sunnier side of life, um, shall I put it, uh, facades more or less of, of success and positivity. And meanwhile, we, we hide the reality, the grit and the grime of pain, of monotony, of stinky diapers and depression and, and, and things which are a huge part, really, of, of, of who we are. Um, so I could write, start over here, sort of fakery. Um, now, I'm not saying social media is evil. I'm not opposed to it. It's a, it's a wonderful tool um, that has brought a lot of good to the world. And yet, of course, um, it can also bring um, a lot of the opposite. Uh, our, our, our tools, we have to remember, none of which are, are neutral, can be weaponized. And therefore, um, we need to be wise, we need to be careful, and not only discerning what we do through our tools, but what our tools actually do to us, and how they change us, and how we interact with others. So biblical hospitality is very difficult to implement today, and it's becoming increasingly more so. Today, relationships are controlled, they're manipulated, we don't give ourselves to our neighbor, but we give what we are comfortable giving away. And again, this is a far cry from what the Bible calls true brotherly love, which is self-giving, self-involving, self-sacrificial, a love that, it, that was imbibed by Christ who gave himself for us, as the apostles say. Now we have to realize um, that throughout church history, Throughout modern civilization, really, hospitality has been the crucial practice by which Christians have shown the world the goodness of God. Uh, and this has been done through many different vehicles in church history, through the creation of orphanages, uh, through hospitals and schools, and even the preparation of simple meals. Uh, there's actually a lot that's been, that's been written on this. It's a really fascinating thing to look into, how Christians, including Reformed Christians historically, have frequently been at the forefront at showing God's love through very tangible means. And again, this is all part of the large umbrella of love for the stranger, of stranger kindness. These all count. Remember, hospitality isn't just having people over. No, if we look at it biblically, the term is actually pretty broad. It simply means stranger kindness. The church has always been at the forefront in God's mission of hospitality. 
And yet, despite being faithfully exhibited by the ancient church and by Reformed Christians and so many others, this kind of hospitality is becoming more and more uncommon. Um, Hospitality has lost a lot of its original meaning because we now live in what kind of culture? We're not givers, but we're, we're consumers, right? We're consumers. We are a culture where the individual and his, and his wants are king. We're out to get, not out to give. Uh, and these hurdles are very difficult to avoid because they really are part of the ebb and flow of modern culture. Uh, whether or not we um, are aware of it, we, we swim in this stuff. It's in the cultural current. We are constantly being catechized by its values and its goals and its customs. Now, what do I mean by that? How, how is the culture catechizing us to be consumers, to be people who are out to get, not to give? Marketing, advertising, sure. Marketing. Let's delve into that. What, what, what kinds of marketing is out there? Mm-hmm. So ads. The psychology of the ads of that causes you to want that thing, whatever it is. There's always an ad popping up and I I I somebody told me it's called good thing, where you Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all being very vulnerable today. It's the Sunday after Black Friday. We have a lot of confession to to make. They actually create a sense of need. Okay, so kind of competitiveness. Whatever. <laughs> mhm. Sort of dangling it out there. If you get this, then you will be able to, as you say, keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Um, so in America, I think this is particularly prevalent, where the dream of reaching the top, of being successful at any cost, being all that you can be, that's so captured our imaginations that we're willing to sacrifice anything for whatever that is. Even things that we desperately need, things that we desperately want, even if we don't admit it, things like community and intimacy. And yes, I. I think those are basic human needs, uh, to want to be in community, to be intimate with others. 
our lives become so activity-driven, so busy, so frenetic, driving from one thing to the next that we forget about true intimacy. We forget about true fellowship. We're always trying to get more accomplished. We're trying to get more money so we can spend more to get this or that, that it becomes nearly impossible to sort of slow down, to be silent, and think about what's truly important and what it's all for. It's this vision of the good life that drives us. Uh, Jamie Smith, that's what he calls it, the the visions of the good life. Um, This vision of what the good and the true and the beautiful is. This thing that we want, even if we don't actually admit that's what we want. It's the thing that drives our loves. That directs us in all of our lives, in all of our days, to what we do. And this vision includes things we want, whether it's the you know, 3,000 square foot home or the big screen TV, or maybe you're a minimalist. Maybe you want the tiny house. Maybe that's your thing. Or maybe it's success, or it's popularity, or it's that your, game, that your team is the winning team. Whatever it is, our individual or collective visions of the good life of the good and the true and the beautiful propels us in how we manage our time and how we manage our money and how we manage our goals. Everything. And this is true especially when it comes to the sphere of relationships. Even the relationships that we do cultivate are often driven by this same vision. Our relationships tend to be very controlled. We carefully design our relationships to fit our vision. And again, this kind of circles back to what we were talking about uh, in regards to social media. Because there we can do just that. There you can be in relationship with others and yet also remain a consumer. You can sort of have your cake and eat it too. There you can have relationships without having to actually give up personal freedoms and become vulnerable. You can have relationships, many relationships, hundreds of relationships, without actually having any intimacy. And you can be left just lonely at the end of the day. Um, A guy who's become a good friend of mine, he's our uh, RUF pastor, uh, Reform University Fellowship. It's a ministry to college students uh, in the PCA. Uh, and he, he tells me what it's like ministering to the students at New Mexico State, which is right across the street from our church. And uh, he says these, these students are just lonely. It's just hard for them to become passionate about anything. Uh, they're just lonely. And what do they do in their off time? Well, they're usually up in their dorm rooms on social media. Um, they're always connected. And yet, at the end of the day, they're always disconnected. They're always so lonely and isolated and miserable. And that's the hardest barrier to reaching them. It's, it's breaking through that sort of, that, that loneliness and getting them to actually become involved with others. Um, so we're very lonely. And yet, even when we do have real flesh and blood friends and interactions, we carefully keep them from hindering our goals. We keep them at arm's length. We have a very carefully constructed sort of fence around ourselves. Nothing goes in or out. We don't let people in because we don't want to be hurt. We don't want our personal goals upset. We don't want the risk. 
And yet we don't let ourselves out either. We don't like to sacrifice much. We don't like to self-give very much. We don't want to be vulnerable. Yes, we want to give, but never if it means sort of sacrificing our personal aspirations. No, that gate stays up. It's like the gate at Helm's Deep in the two towers. Nothing goes in or out. Now, truth be told, we do often let this gate down, don't we? But sadly, it tends to come down only not to give, but to take. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer writes in his little book, Life Together, I don't know if some of you have read this book, that modern sinful love is all about desire, not service. In other words, it's all about what I can get out of this relationship, what kind of experience I can have, not about what I can actually give someone else. He writes that human love desires the other person, he desires his company, his answering love, but it does not serve him. Rather, we seek to dominate and control with our love, not to be dominated or let alone injured for the sake of another. This is our dominant driving vision of relationships after the fall, whether we're aware of it or not. Most of the time, it's subconscious. It's under the hood of the car, as it were, but it's there nonetheless. Um, any thoughts or comments, questions? Yeah, I think it's easy to gloss over the really radical nature of love that Christ gave us in places like Luke 6, as we read earlier. Um, you know, if you love those who love you, if you serve those who serve you, what reward is, is that? Don't even the pagans and tax collectors do the same? In other words, okay, that's the easy part. Everybody does that. You don't have to be a Christian to love your friends or your family. But what I'm calling you to do is something way different, and it's a much higher standard, and you actually have to love people that don't look like you, people that are way different from you, um, people that might even strike you on the cheek from time to time. Um, pray for those people. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is radical stuff, really. Um, and it just jolts, jolts us. It jolts me so often. Hmm. 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 Hmm.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's something very unique to what we hold to and believe as Christians. Um, last week I taught a class on, on Buddhism, last Sunday. And Buddhism and, and the Eastern religions in general, they have nothing like this. You know, there is the need for transcendence. There's the Four Noble Truths. There's the Eightfold Path. Basically a laundry list of things that we need to do in order to um, attain nirvana. But there's no penetration of, of somebody from that realm into our realm to save us. We have to always be climbing that ladder to get there, but there's no one who actually comes down and pulls us up. And that, that is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Sure. How do we, sorry? How, how would I keep this from, you know, so pursuit of hospitality. Mm-hmm. How would I keep this from this concentration with folks? Sure. That's a great question. So, um, we do this not, uh, and I think this is the same with all good works, we do them not to earn God's love, but because we have it. Um, God's love is so full for us, it overflows so much that it can't help but overflow even from us. It extends to us and then extends outward, um, just naturally. Not because there's a lack of God's love, but because it's so full. Not because we're trying to earn his love, but because he already does love us, and we just have to give it away now. Because it's, it's, it's that plentiful. So that's, that's what I would say. This, this uh, should flow from the God who gave himself for us and sacrificed everything um, in his own act of hospitality. And God has called us to join hand in hand in that very mission um, to the world, to the nations. So... Any other thoughts, questions? Yes, sir. Just Mr. Palmer. Sure. That's a, thank you for that point. This isn't the gospel, but this is what the gospel does to us. People who are within the blast zone of the gospel do this. Uh, this is what they look like. Um, you know, the gospel isn't something that just sort of gives us fire insurance and gets us saved, but it's something that actually transforms and renovates us from the inside out so that we actually go out and become ambassadors of the love of Christ to the world um, in very, and of course in our words, but also in very tangible ways. So, 
today? Yeah. <laughs> so ideally, if we had time, we would explore that very question. Um, this morning was more of a kind of a diagnostics, trying to diagnose the problem, which I think is helpful in and of itself. I think if we had time, we could delve into how do we sort of counteract this. Um, and in short, um, it's I think by it's I think two things. Um, not only recognizing uh, with our brains uh, the what God's own hospitality is. In other words, knowing it. Um, knowing what God's mission to the stranger looks like throughout the scriptures. Uh, and it is intense. It is from beginning to end. Um, and it is, a, it is a dominant theme throughout the scriptures. Seeing that mission uh, in all of its beauty and all of its wonder and letting that shape our imaginations. And then the second thing is going out and implementing that in our own time and place as we are able. So I don't think it's going to look the same for everybody. Um, every need is going to be different, just as every one showing hospitality is different. So we all have different limitations, different temperaments, different capabilities. You know, you ask me to fix your car, I won't be able to help you, but I'm sure someone else will, because I'm just not gifted in that way. Um, and then just sort of getting into those habits. Um, something else that Jamie Smith um, talks about is how our habits actually shape what we love. In other words, it's by doing it, it's getting, by getting into the habit of showing hospitality and loving others, we actually develop a love for it. I think we sometimes reverse that and think, that we, well, we have to love it first, and then we'll do it. How do I build that love? Where it's actually the opposite, it's getting into the habits and rhythms actually having people over, getting into their lives. And I'm sure, I'm sure many of you have done this. You've had people over and maybe you weren't um, excited <laughs> about it, but then they left and he said, that was amazing. I'm so glad we had them over. Uh, I'm so glad that we could all let our hair down for an evening and, um, and just enjoy fellowship together. So that's how I would, in short, answer that. But hopefully... Um, I wish we had more time to, to delve into that, but hopefully uh, this helps us all be just a little more cognizant, a little more aware of ourselves and our tendencies and our loves and our devices uh, so that we can better implement um, solutions and seek to show the hospitality of God to our neighbor. So any other questions or thoughts before I close us? It's 12.50. Is that is that when it closed? Okay. Yes, sir. Hmm. So unexpected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think that's 
and, and that's a way that we show people the Father. That's what Jesus said, you know, that show them my love and then may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let me see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Yeah. All right, let me close this. Lord, we just thank you that we can be the objects of your love and hospitality. That's why we're here this morning. Uh, Lord, the fact that we can sit under your grace and mercy, that we can sit under your generosity, that you've invited us to your table to partake of such an immeasurable bounty. Oh, Lord, we pray uh, as we as we have even this morning thought about ways perhaps that we have um, not um, participated uh, in the mission of hospitality, uh, ways perhaps that we um, have been controlled by fear, um, been controlled by a different narrative. Um, Lord, we, we pray uh, that your spirit would work within us, that we would see... Um, the light of Christ, um, as it is portrayed all throughout the scriptures, and that light, and that that light would shine into the darkness even of our own lives and our own hearts and our own relationships. Oh Lord, we pray that you go before us this day. Help us to rest today in Christ, to rest uh, in the gospel love that He has so wonderfully and so faithfully given to us. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.